This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. I'm Brooke. And I'm Melissa. And this is... For God's sake. Don't drink the Jones juice. Welcome to episode... I don't even know. 40... 43? 43. Yes. Yes, 43. We just recorded yesterday and I don't (laughs) even know. (laughs) And we are recording again today because I will be out of town this weekend with my friend Ashton. We are taking a little girls trip to Charleston. Um... I'm so excited for you guys. Dude, I am... I know you need it. Stoked. Like, we have, you know, some stuff planned. We made a a car ride playlist. Heck yeah. Like, we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm really excited. Do you guys listen to similar music? No. Okay, I was going to say I didn't think so. It's going to be an interesting ride because she listens to mostly rap and I listen to, like, mostly pop punk yeah or bands like the smiths or yeah. you know that kind of music and she i took her as a country girl she, well she does listen to country too that okay. i noticed in the playlist there was some that's <laughs> some gonna be country, fun so. it's gonna be country rap pump pop punk who knows what right. yeah. <laughs> cool so but i know she's excited too and i don't know just i think every girl should take a girl's trip Absolutely. Every once in a while. So show. Well, um, I mean, do you have anything to say? We literally talked for 20 minutes yesterday, so I don't really have too much to say today. I don't really have much to say either. Um, I mean, same old, same old, but I do want to announce that it is time for another giveaway. So, um, I am saying this as if I'm recording on the day that this podcast comes out. So anyway, this giveaway will start today, Tuesday, August 17th, Um, and it will go until Tuesday, August 31st. So two weeks you will have to get in on this giveaway. Um, Basically, all you have to do, and we have done this before, it's easy breezy, just go do it. Um, We will have a post up on our group Facebook page, which if you have not joined us um it's for god's sake don't drink the jones juice on facebook if you ever want to be in any of our giveaways Mm -hmm. joining that group is vital that's true so anyway the uh post will have up basically will tell you the same rules i'm about to tell you but all you have to do is post a link of your favorite episode of ours to your facebook page and tag our facebook group um when you're done with that you just type in the comments done and And we'll go and check right so do that um again i'll be sure to put up a post you know explaining all the rules again you'll have two weeks to join and we will choose a winner uh this time we're going to be giving away a don't drink the jones juice t-shirt and we'll let you have your pick Um, All of the choices are on our Store Frontier shop, which is storefrontier.com slash don't drink drink the the Jones Jones juice. juice. Yes. I always get confused, guys, if it's for God's sake or if it's don't drink the Jones juice because our 
social medias and all yeah. of that are different. Yeah. But anyway, um, you'll be able to pick your choice and we'll have it sent out to you. And you can share a link um, of your favorite episode from anywhere that you listen, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. You know, you just go in there, copy the link, mm-hmm. uh, head over to Facebook and put it the link in your status and tag for god's sake don't drink the jones juice Mm -hmm. so whatever that favorite episode is share it i'm just i'm mostly interested to know what y'all's favorite episodes are yeah me too (laughs) i mean we can see like um how many people have listened to each episode so Mm -hmm. we kind of know which ones are more and get more hits right but i would like to know Mm -hmm. just your personal opinion faux show faux show all right are we ready to just go ahead and get on with it get on in it okay so today i am covering a survivor story oh okay you like these i do like these yes Mm -hmm. it's been a minute since i've done one Mm -hmm. i think i don't know (laughs) Mm -hmm. um okay so this takes place in south africa okay so if I pronounce names wrong, I'm names wrong. I'm so sorry. I watched so many different interviews. I watched a documentary. Everybody pronounces all these names differently. So I'm just going to do the best that I can. Really quickly. Mm-hmm. I just want to say it just popped in my head. I was cracking up at Scotty's text to us today. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> Last week's episode, I covered a horrible, horrible story. And my brother always likes to send a group chat to me and Alyssa and just, you know, tell us what he's feeling about our episode because he listens when he's at work. And we get a text and he's like, yo, like great banner, loved that, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, thanks. A little while later, he says, all right, Brooke. And then another text comes through. Fuck your story. (laughs) And then another text comes through, fuck all of them. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. It was awful. It really was. It really just makes you want to say fuck them. You know, I usually listen. Well, if I do listen, Mm -hmm. I will listen to, you know, both parts of the podcast. Just, you know, just to kind of hear it for quality purposes and that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. I could not listen no on the way home i was about to listen to it and i was like "Eh, i really just don't want to put myself through that again i know it was rough but anyway sorry it just popped in my head it's okay i thought his comment (laughs) fuck your story right yeah oh yeah (laughs) he so he was actually telling me that um (laughs) i was like laying in bed finishing up my research and he comes in there and he was like you know um okay if you haven't listened to um part one and part two of the poet go listen to them or Mm -hmm. just skip ahead a bunch because i'm about to spoil stuff or whatever but you have to listen y'all so he was saying that um you know he kind of felt the same way as you like he was just kind of like yeah you know like what's what's going on you know i don't you know it's you know um and you know when like uh the police are questioning her Mm -hmm. he thought that um it was Ed the whole time and that Ed was going to come home and murder Ruth, Ruth uh-huh. because that picture you posted of the victim report of Ruth Finley uh-huh. 
he thought it was a death certificate. Oh. <laughs> so he thought that Ed was going to kill her. And he went into the episode thinking that because he saw it before the episode. Yeah. So I just thought that was really funny because, I mean, that yeah. would have definitely been a crazy twist ending. But yeah. No. That was just a crazy story. If you guys have not listened to it, you just need to. <laughs> it was our last two episodes. Alyssa did a two-parter and the story was fucking bonkers like Dude, i just crazy and she left us hanging for a week for part <laughs> two you guys i'm so sorry i probably could have done it in one but i didn't want to overwhelm you have no idea the self-control it took to not google that shit i appreciate it <laughs> a lot of people told me a lot by a lot of me like two people <laughs> told me that they also had to practice some self-control mm-hmm. and i'm always just like but did you really yeah did you hmm. oh you know i was totally shocked yeah, yeah, no, because like, you were like, it's a it was the officer. <laughs> it was an officer. <laughs> okay, so, um, anyways, um, hold on, I'm gonna pause it really fast. Okay, sorry guys, I wanted to re-listen to how to pronounce two of these names because they are not pronounced how they look. So, okay, so I am doing Allison Bota. Have you ever heard of her? I have not. Okay. This story is going to blow your mind. Okay. It oh, is another one. Insane. So I got all of my information from all that's interesting.com, mamamia.com, and I watched um, a documentary called Allison. And um, the whole documentary, it's like an hour long and it's basically a reenactment. But she, Allison, um, narrates the entire event. So it's accurate to Mm -hmm. what actually happened. Yeah. So Allison Bota was born September 22nd, 1967 in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Around the age of 10, her parents divorced and Allison lived with her mom for most of her childhood. She lived a pretty normal life, serving as the head girl at the collegiate, um, high school for girls in Port Elizabeth and after she graduated she spent some time traveling and then got a job as an insurance broker which was a job that she liked doing. Mm -hmm. On December 18th 1994 Allison and her friends all got together to enjoy a nice day at the beach. Afterwards they all went back to her apartment to eat pizza and play some games. When night came um wow okay when the night came (laughs) to a close and everyone had left allison drove the last remaining friend home and then headed back to her apartment Mm -hmm. she arrived back but her usual parking spot close to her you know door was taken so she kind of had to drive down a little bit further Mm -hmm. um and you know walk you know a decent way back to her apartment Mm -hmm. um she've found a spot that was next to a big tree in a dimly lit area and her plan was to go inside take a nice cool shower and then go to bed Mm -hmm. but when she reached towards the passenger seat to grab a basket of clean laundry her driver's side door was swung open and there was a man standing there brandishing a knife putting it to her throat and told her Move over or I'll kill you. Mm. And so, of course, with a threat like that. You move over. You move over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what she did. 
So the man sat in the driver's seat and sped away. He told her that his name was Clinton and then asked her if she had a boyfriend. Clinton assured her that he wasn't going to hurt her and that he just needed to use her car for like an hour or so. Mm. And unfortunately, this gave Allison a very false sense of security. Mm -hmm. You know, she's thinking, oh, he's just going to use my car and then he's going to, you know, drive me back home and I'm just going to have to endure this for like an hour. Totally normal. Well, you know, she's thinking at least I'm not going to die or get hurt. Right. So Clinton drove um, Allison and her car to another part of a of Port Elizabeth to pick up his friend, Theans Kruger. Theans Kruger. Theans got in the car and they immediately sped off. Allison sat in the back seat and caught a glimpse of Clinton's eyes in the rearview mirror. And this is when the relief that she had felt turned into sheer fear. Oh God. All she said, all she saw was dead, cold evil in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And this is just when she knew she would not be returning home. Mm-hmm. They kept driving, um, entering into a secluded area way down past where any streetlights were and outside of the city limits of Port Elizabeth. Clinton asked Allison if she was going to fight, but she told him that she wasn't. So he forced her to, trigger warning, perform oral sex on him. And then when she was done, or whatever, he did the same thing to her, all while asking her, does your boyfriend do this to you? And then he raped her. In the documentary, Allison, she talked about how her body responded to the rape, you know, like how it does when you have sex. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she found out later that this is just a protection mechanism for your body. Yes. Um, But she viewed this as the ultimate betrayal of her body, Mm -hmm. which that broke my heart when she said that in the the documentary. It's like, Mm -hmm. like, you can't help it. Like, your body's literally trying to just save you. Protect you, yeah. Yeah. So at some point, Theans called for Clinton, but not by the name of Clinton. He called him Franz. Hmm. And I thought it was going to be Franz, but everybody in the video said Franz. Okay. So, and the realization hit her that he had lied about his name. Mm. So Franz asked Theans, do you also want to have sex with the lovely lady? To which he replied, no, I want to fuck the bitch. Oh my God. No, you can't talk to her like that. Replies Franz, the man who just raped her. Mm-hmm. She's a lady. You must speak properly to her. Yeah. So after the two raped Allison, they tried to suffocate her, which only caused her to become unconscious. Mm. They stabbed her in the abdomen and pubic area about 37 times. Oh my God. The ends then took the knife and cut Allison's throat. But Franz pushed him out of the way, and then he began slicing at Allison's throat. In the documentary, she talks about how the moon ironically gave Franz um, a halo as he sliced her throat 17 times. Oh, my God. So after they were done, 
the two men got back into Allison's car and drove off while throwing her clothing out of the car. Allison couldn't feel any pain, but the sound of her breathing through her severed windpipe horrified her. Oh my god. She was overcome with an overwhelming feeling of sadness when she realized that she was injured beyond hope and that she was dying. Mm. She remembers leaving her body and the noise of her breathing stopped. Oh my god. She looked down and saw her body which felt far away, but not so far that she couldn't go back to it. And she realized that she had the choice. She could make the choice whether to keep going or to go back into her body. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, she was back in her body and the sound of her breathing just hit her ears. Wow. She said, I'm going to fight. Mm-hmm. In case she did die, though, Allison wanted to make sure that they never could do this to anyone else. So she literally wrote their names in the sand next to her. Mm-hmm. And... Also, heartbreakingly, she also wrote, I love mom. Aww. At some point, Allison felt something wet on her legs. And when she looked down, she saw that her intestines were outside of her body. Oh, my God. She found her denim shirt nearby, so she grabbed it and used it to hold everything back inside of her with mm. one hand. Oh. And with the other hand, she started to crawl. <laughs> She said that if she died while crawling, her mom would know that she survived for a bit and she couldn't do that to her. There would be even more unanswered questions and the knowledge that her daughter suffered tremendously. Mm-hmm. So she decided that crawling just wasn't going to cut it. So she hoisted herself up onto her feet, which took an enormous amount of effort. And then everything went black. Mm-hmm. She put her other hand up to her throat and her entire hand went into where her throat was cut. Oh my God. The muscles on the side of her neck had been severed and that her head and her head had flopped (gasps) backwards right between her shoulder blades. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh. Oh. So what does this badass bitch do? picks it up and she pulls her head up with her other hand what the hell so in one hand with a denim shirt she's holding in all of her intestines like everything in her abdomen she's holding it in and with her other hand she literally grabs her head that's between her shoulder blades pulls it upright and her vision returns oh my god so she's having to hold her bowels inside and hold her head up as she walks i cannot like i am oh my god i just have no words right now i'm telling you dude this woman what insane insane i would have died the moment i realized my head was between (sighs) my shoulder blades i would have just like oh my god dead i'm just going i'm just gonna go that's so disgusting Suddenly, she felt as though someone had taken her feet and was moving them for her and took her to the side of the road where she fell down and thought to herself, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? That someone's going to drive over me? I mean, her head is already hanging on by a thread. Like, oh my God. I, I'm, I'm like touching the back of my yeah. neck right now. Yeah. <laughs> what? It is 
in i mean imagine like surviving that and like living with the knowledge that your head has touched between your shoulder blades oh before god. oh my god oh my god oh my god yeah so head- sorry for the th- sound effects <laughs> <laughs> so um headlights appeared in front of her and um a car obviously was coming in her direction imagine seeing that dude i can't i don't i mean obviously having that done to you is more traumatic but i mean think about I, um, the trauma of witnessing that she became frightened that uh franz and theans could be in that car the car stopped in front of her and if it were the two men she couldn't do anything about it all the fight in her was already gone so the car stops stops in front of her, and then it just takes off. Like it yeah. sees this girl, and it's Probably like horrified. Not my problem. I'm leaving. Yeah. And I mean, like, I want to say, wow, that's so shitty. But I mean, they were probably scared shitless. I mean, think. I mean, like, you never mm. know. Like, I mean, they the men who did this could still be in the woods. Like, put her out there to like lure somebody in. Yeah. You never know. I mean, mm. and. It, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I and would like to think that I would help. And this is what, like in the 70s, it's probably? 95. It's not, oh, 95. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she was already 30 something. She was 27, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking she was like a teenager. Oh, no. I guess I should have said, yeah, earlier. She's she's 27. Okay. So she heard the sound of another car approaching. The man in the car was a 20-year-old vet veterinary veterinary technical oh my god veterinary technology student named i meant to look this one up too tian tian elliard it's t-i-a-a-n do you know t-i-a-a-n tian Tian. well that's just what i'm going to call him i'm so sorry if that's wrong it probably is (laughs) Um, he had been on vacation with some friends in Port Elizabeth, and they were on their way back. The first thing the friends noticed as they got out of the car was a person laying on the ground without any clothes on. Tian Tian rushed over to her and took her hand, but Allison was not able to speak. He looked into her, into her eyes, and they were bloodshot red and extremely frightened. And all he, he didn't know what to do, but he yeah. told her, listen you've got nice eyes i think that's so sweet yeah it's like you know instead of being like oh my god oh my god oh my god he's like listen you have nice eyes yeah you know Mm -hmm. allison in the documentary describes him as her knight in shining armor oh one of the friends had a cell phone which is extremely lucky since it was yeah actually was 1994 sorry okay and cell phones weren't as typical as they are now they called emergency services and an ambulance was sent their way. It was only a 15-minute drive to the hospital, but they waited over 40 minutes for an ambulance to arrive. Oof. 40 minutes. Wow. She laid there with mm. her head barely hanging on, her intestines coming out of her, bleeding profusely, I'm sure. Are there pictures of this girl now? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't wait to see. She looks normal normal yeah you would never have known like you can hardly see the scar on her neck yeah so um when the paramedics arrived um 
Tian asked the paramedics to drive faster, but he said it was like they didn't see the urgency in getting her to the hospital as if they had already decided that she was going to die. Right. That she wasn't going to make it there. When they got to the hospital and took Allison back, it was the first time that he had let go of her hand. Oh, that is so sweet. Wow. What a man. And this whole experience um, inspired him to become a doctor. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. The head of ICU at Port Elizabeth, Dr. David Common. Common? It's C-O-M-Y-N. Common. I, I don't know. Um, he said, my appreciation of life has been determined largely by my background as a scientist, as a doctor, and as a specialist in intensive care medicine and anesthetics. And I've been exposed to severe trauma, life-threatening illness, but I don't think I've ever experienced the horror of the injury suffered by Allison and the sheer brutality, the ferociousness, and the mindless destruction of a human really got to me. And in the documentary, he was about to cry just talking about it. I, I, like, I'm just shaking my head right now. I I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't even fathom it. His eyes were, you could tell, like, the floodgates were about to just open. It was really sweet to see, but also really sad. So, Dr. Um, I'm going to call her, call him Com, Com, Comian, describes the laceration on Allison's neck as going from ear to ear, and that her trachea and windpipe had been cleanly cut through, and she was breathing through a gaping hole that was just above her collarbones. Wow. After he looked at her throat, the junior doctor that had admitted her told him that her neck wasn't the only injury that she sustained. Yeah. So he lifted the sheet down to expose her abdomen. Allison had been completely disemboweled. What? Who lives through this? This is nuts. I don't know. And she's still like conscious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So she was completely disemboweled with large loops of her small bowel lying on top of her tummy. With a closer examination, he noticed that it was contaminated with beach sand, lumps of charcoal, and with something that looked like lamb chop fat. What? I don't know. That's just what he said. Wow. They looked inside of her abdomen and saw that it was very unlikely that Allison would ever be able to bear a child. Wow. Dr. Dimitri Angelov was the general surgeon on call the night that Allison arrived at the hospital. How the hell do you put that head back on is my question. Mm. Jesus. I don't know. Don't ask me. I'm my a doctor. <laughs> God. That's an amazing surgeon that did that. Oh, literally. Yeah. And just wait till you hear what this guy did. So um, Dr. Dimitri Angelov was the general surgeon on call the night that Allison arrived at the hospital. He said, doctors see a lot of things. Blood injuries but somehow that injury made a striking impression of severe cruelty which one doesn't see very often Mm -hmm. and i think like if you know icu doctors and surgeons are saying we've never seen anything like this before this is the most brutal thing we've ever seen that's saying something Mm -hmm. you know um 
So the first impression that she made was when Dr. Angelov saw her through the window signing a consent form with a steady hand. Wow. He said, when you look at her signature, you wouldn't think that such a severely injured person can write in such a comprehensible way. Wow. You know, and underneath, she had written the telephone number of her mother. I was amazed. People with such strength are difficult to find nowadays. Mm -hmm. Dr. Angelo fixed and cleaned Allison's intestines up by meticulously passing the loops of bowel through his fingers, getting every nook and cranny, and even using a scrub scrub brush on the debris that were really stuck. Wow. He went through all of that, Mm -hmm. just cleaning them. What a good doctor. Wow. He says, um, I really don't have a scientific answer. Yes, we can debate and talk all the academic stuff, but we must accept that it is a miracle Mm -hmm. that she survived. Mm -hmm. Allison survived because none of the important blood vessels that supply blood to the head and brain in her neck were severed. (laughs) If they would have been, she would have hemorrhaged and died within three or four minutes. Yeah. There are also very important nerves that come down from the neck to, to supply some of the important organs, but none of those were damaged. Wow. Her esophagus was also undamaged. Her trachea was severed, but it healed perfectly. What? Perfectly. That's insane. What a lucky girl. Dude, a miracle. Yeah. God had a purpose for her, for sure. She had multiple stab wounds in her chest, but none of them hit her lungs or her heart. I mean, she was stabbed 37 times. Holy cow. Yeah. She had a cut from her belly button down to her pubic area, which, uh, or from when she was disemboweled, and it's a miracle that it didn't cause um, peritonitis mm-hmm. and severe infection. I was going to say, I'm surprised she didn't go septic. Yeah. Especially with all that stuff stuck mm-hmm. to her organs. Right, oh my yeah. gosh. Is that what that means? What? The pair. peritonitis i'm not sure i don't know she also had multiple stab wounds around her abdomen but none of them penetrated enough to cause damage to her internal organs which is crazy wow on the first night that allison was there dr kamyan stayed in the icu early morning a nurse told him that the police were there and wanted to speak with him I just Googled peritonitis for you. Uh-huh. So it's an inflammation of the membrane lining the abdominal wall and covering the abdominal organs. It's usually infectious and often life-threatening, and it's caused by a leakage or a hole in the intestines, such as from a burst appendix. Wow. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a miracle that didn't happen. Oh, gosh. So, um... Oh, yep. Sorry, I was just reading more. Um, It's usually caused by infection from bacteria and left untreated. It can rapidly spread into the blood, which causes it's it's septus. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, So the officers were told that this was a brutal rape case Mm. and that, you know, um, she needed their assistance. The detective in charge of the case was Melvin Hump. Pell, Humpel. He knew Franz Dutoy from a previous arrest for rape. Mm. 
Franz and Fians were known as the Ripper Rapists. Ew. And had a lengthy criminal record record for violence against women. The next morning, he met with Franz and Fians at the murder and robbery unit. After he finished all the procedural work with Franz and Fians, Melvin decided to introduce himself to Allison. And by decided, I mean needed to. Mm-hmm. He gave her a folder with mugshots and got her to look through them. When she came to the to the picture of Franz, she pointed to it and wrote the name Franz on the paper. Mm-hmm. They kept looking through the photos until she landed on the ends and wrote his name on the paper too. Wow. And this satisfied the police. They were like, she knows oh, who yeah. they are. But during that same day, the detectives told Dr. Comyon that he had talked to the chief prosecutor who had told them that the case would be much stronger if Allison could verbalize verbalize the names of the men. What the hell does it matter? I don't know. (laughs) Dr. Comyon was horrified at this because that meant that he would have to remove the tube from her lungs. Mm -hmm. He was very apprehensive about doing this because by removing the tube, he would be disrupting the trachea suitor line, which would jeopardize the good work that they had accomplished the day before. Literally, the night before this, they Uh, had just done that. No. Dr. Kamyan took this information to Allison to ask for her opinion, and she replied, take it out. She just wanted By writing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he removed the tube from her lungs, and Allison immediately said, that's wonderful. My attackers were Franz and Theans. Wow. Immediately. Wow. Like, she is strong in every I just got, sense. like, goosebumps. Oh. Yeah. The Nordhoek Ripper trial gained a lot of attention from South Africans, both Franz and Theans pled guilty to eight charges, which included rape and attempted murder. They were found guilty and sentenced to life in prison in August of 1995. Even though the brutal attack and the trial were behind her, Allison still suffered from physical and emotional scars from the whole experience. Oh, yeah. This fed a need in her to face what had happened to her. So, you know what she does? She began traveling around the world, recounting her story to at least 35 countries. Wow. She was one of the first women from South Africa to publicly speak about rape within her own country and in others. She was inspirational to so many other survivors, and because of her, they felt the need to come and tell their stories. Wow. Allison said... The attack has put me on this path where I get to travel the work. I get to travel to, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I get to travel something about work and help inspire other people. I messed up typing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, I think it's the attack has put me on this path where I get to travel with work and help inspire other people. I'm sorry. Allison won the prestigious... um, Rotarian Paul Harris Award in 1995 for Courage Beyond the Norm and Femina Magazine's Woman of Courage Award. She was also honored as Port Elizabeth Citizen of the Year. Wow. She has also written two books and the documentary that I watched called Allison was made in 2016. She's 
also regarded as the most inspiring motivational speaker in the world even today. What? I have never heard of her. That is crazy. Yeah, I had never heard of her either. So overall, the greatest gift to her has been the birth of her two sons. Oh, yay. Because Franz had intentionally tried to destroy her reproductive system. Like, that's literally what his purpose was for stabbing her down there. What a sick fuck. And finally, I'll leave you with an important and inspiring quote from Allison. Mm -hmm. Life can sometimes make us feel like a victim. Problems and hardships and traumas are dished out to all of us, and sometimes they can be divided very unfairly. Remind yourself that you do not have to take responsibility for what others do. Life is not a collection of what happens to you, but of how you've responded to what has happened to you. Amen, Lord. And I just think that's very wise. (laughs) Good story. Wow. Can you... Wow. believe that dude. i can't I, i'm mind blown that's incredible you should watch that documentary and is i it on love Netflix? no it's on um i rented it off of youtube but it's also okay. on amazon prime okay. video or whatever okay uh it was 2.99 on youtube but it's probably free on prime right i watched mm, movies I on there i know you have to pay for some on prime but okay. i don't know but so the way that the documentary is is it's um, structured like a fairy tale like it sounds weird okay mm-hmm. but it starts off with her sitting in a living room and she has this big book and it looks like a fairy tale book and it has her name on it and she opens it up and you know she's it she starts it off like how a fairy tale book would mm-hmm. you know like in a land far far away actually right here is what she says mm-hmm. and um i don't know just the way she she words it mm-hmm. it's she tells you a very gruesome and very personal, very vulnerable, just horrifying story, but she does it in a way that it doesn't scare you. Yeah. It makes you, you just feel so proud of her and wow. for her. Wow. It's a very well done documentary in my opinion. And mm-hmm. um, they um, introduce you to, you know, each person that played a major role in the story and Mm -hmm. it's like it looks like a book i don't know it's cute Mm -hmm. but i guess she did that because you know um the guy who saved her you know he was her knight in shining armor so i think she just wanted it to be you know Mm -hmm. this was a good ending yeah something good came from this this was not a horror story this is something you know that was awful but look at what happened because of it that's right Wow. So I just think that's probably why she did it. I don't know. Allison is a beautiful human. She is. And I mean, I when I was watching an interview of her, her, she has a beautiful voice. Her speaking voice is just very, very nice to listen to. Wow. So I don't know. I feel so bad for her, but also like... You go, girl. Imagine. I feel like if I came from something like that, I would not be a motivational speaker. I yeah, would doom would, and gloom uh, yeah. constantly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Just lay in bed, never get out. But not her, dude. She went on and she persevered and she healed. And she's, you know, recognized as the most inspirational woman even and you, today. You've got those people that, you know, one little shit thing happens to them and they're literally me <laughs> oh no that's not no no i wasn't saying that but 
you know, like, damn, look at this woman, you know, it makes you, you know, we should feel blessed for the things that we take for granted all of the time, you know, I mean, seriously, like go Allison, like that's, that's incredible. It really is like such an amazing story. Mm -hmm. We've got it good. We do. And you know what she says is so true that, you know, traumas and hardships and things like that are dished out to all of us. That's but right. some of us just get a way bigger portion. That's right. And it's not necessarily your fault. That's right. But how you choose to deal with that situation is your fault. It's funny because I literally, I posted this quote to Facebook today and it reminds me so much of what she said, but it says yesterday, someone said to me, I would have never guessed you've been through what you have. You carry yourself so well. And that's when I realized it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you handle it. Exactly. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah. Pretty much exactly what she said, right? Seriously. I mean, I'm sure if you were to see her like in a grocery store or something, you would have no idea. That's nuts. And it's the people who go through the most trauma Mm -hmm. and like have the worst things happen to them. Mm -hmm. The people that come out of that and they are just so happy. It's like a ray of sunshine. Yeah. And they don't let it. They don't victimize. I mean, they were a victim, but they don't let it make them a victim for the rest of their lives they take it they twist that narrative Mm -hmm. and that is such a just just respectable honorable thing to do i could i just know myself and i couldn't ever i would just wallow in victim for the rest of my life Mm. that was a good one thank you you've done some great stories lately thank you so much you're welcome i'm glad there was a happy ending there yeah Uh, when we come back there's no happy ending to my story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back. And welcome back, guys, to Brick's part of the episode. Hi. So part two... I will be discussing the Delphi murders. Uh, First, for the third episode in a row, I'd like to cite my sources. Nice. NDStar.com, WRTV.com, News.com.au, ABCNews.com, Heavy.com, and I also read several Reddit posts, which... This particular story is a big one on Reddit, you guys. So there's plenty of info out there. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have probably heard of this story. Um, It's pretty high profile and it gained a lot of uh, media attention. I have heard of it, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it is. You'll probably will as I get into it. Okay. So this is the Delphi murder Delphi murder case. And this story revolves around Abigail Abby Williams, age 13, and Liberty Libby German, age 14. The two Delphi Community Middle School students were best friends, and they were involved in several extracurricular activities, including band, softball, and volleyball. So this is a bit of a timeline for you. The day is Sunday, February 12th, 2017. 
the two girls decide that they're going to spend the night together at Libby's or um, yeah, Liberty's Delphi, Indiana home, knowing that the next day was a built-in snow day. So it was one of those like we haven't used all our snow days because we haven't had snow, but so you still get to off. take the day off. Yeah. Um, so they watch movies and eat pizza, just, you know, do fun, girly middle school things. Mm-hmm. And they stayed up pretty late. It's now Monday, February 13th, 2017. Libby's dad, Derek, cooks breakfast while he lets the girls sleep in. When they finally wake up a little bit after 10, they eat. And Derek leaves to go do some work. Libby's grandmother, Becky, makes a deal with the girls. She tells them that if they'll help her with some work around the house, that she'll give them some money. And maybe later on that day, she'll take them out shopping. Ooh. So, you know, 13, 14, they're happy to help. They're oh, like, yeah. Money. Get yeah. Money. Let's go shopping. Yeah. Around 1 p.m., the girls are bored and they ask Grandma Becky if they can go hike the Monon, Monon, Monon. I don't know what the correct way of saying this is i did watch a documentary on this too probably about six months ago and it was a really really good documentary i can't remember remember the name of it if i remember i'll put it in our uh episode details but anyway the monon i want to say monon high bridge trail so they ask if they can go hiking this trail and becky says yes but only if they're able to get a ride because she just can't take them right um, the trail's a popular hangout for kids their age, and the girls had been many times. And you kind of think, like, what? 13, 14? Like, why are they out in the middle of the woods by themselves? Yeah. But Especially in 2017. <laughs> yeah. I, it was just what they did. And I guess, you know, the parents felt comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So the girls ask uh, Libby's older sister, Kelsey, to take them. And she says she will, but she won't be able to take them back home because she has plans. So Libby calls and asks her dad if he'll give them a ride back. He says yes, but that it'll be a couple of hours before he can come pick them up. Um, He said that he would call or text them when he was close and he could meet them at the start of the trail to be picked up. He didn't really give an exact timeline, but basically said, like, it'll be a couple of hours. You know, I'll call you or text you when I'm ready or, you know, when I get close. Right. Sounds like a dad thing. They should have expected him probably around 3, 3 3.30-ish because it was around 1-ish. Right. When they, uh... Well, it was about one thirty when they get dropped off. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kelsey arrives to pick up the girls and take them to the trail. They arrive there around one forty, and Kelsey watches them walk until they get onto the trail. And she doesn't notice anything out of the, you know, usual mm-hmm. um, at the parking lot area before she drove off to head to her friend's house. Around 2.05 p.m., Libby uploads a photo on Snapchat from on top of the bridge just like a you know just a cool artsy kind of photo of the bridge and a short time later she posts a picture of abby walking on the bridge libby continues kind of playing around on her phone while walking the trail playing around on snapchat and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing now remember this detail because libby's snapchat becomes a very important piece of evidence later on in the story So at a, uh, now it's about 3.11, and Derek calls Libby to let her know that he's getting close to picking them up, and he doesn't get an answer. At 3.14, he pulls into the parking area, and he calls Libby again, and doesn't get an answer. Now, knowing it's not like Libby to ignore his texts and calls, he starts getting a little concerned, and he's like, I'm going to get out and you know start walking the trail and try to right. find the girls. Like a good dad. Yeah. 
So not far into walking, he approaches a man in a flannel shirt that was also walking the trail, and he asks the guy if he's seen the girls. The man was coming from the 501 trail. He replies, no, I did not, but there's a couple. There was a couple on the bridge, meaning like a, a I guess like a boyfriend, girlfriend. Right. Uh, because the man didn't see the girls in his direction, Derek goes the opposite way of, at the intersection, and he goes towards the 505 trail. This side of the trail leads directly to the creek edge. Derek walks down the trail to the Freedom Bridge. After not seeing the girls there, he turns around and heads back to the intersection, passing the flannel shirt guy again on his way back. Hmm. Around 4 p.m., Derek returns to his car, just concerned and frustrated. Like, where are they? What are they doing? You know, he's already informed the family at this point, you know, by phone that he can't Can't find find the girls. And they've already been trying to get a hold of Libby at this point for over half an hour. Becky and Libby's Aunt Tara decide to go to the trail to help Derek look for them. God, I cannot imagine being a parent in this kind of situation. Oh, my God. You're freaking out. Dude. Oh, my God. I can't even. So Tara leaves immediately, but Becky stays home to make a few phone calls before leaving. Becky calls her husband, who's uh, Libby's grandpa. Uh, His name's Mike. And Mike was at work, and she informs him that the girls are missing. Mike decides to leave work and drive to the trail to help mm-hmm. immediately. He's like, okay, I'm out. Right, I'm searching. Mm-hmm. And Becky also calls Kelsey, and she leaves her friend's help, house to come help out. Libby's cousin Cody arrives at the house as Becky is leaving and decides that he's going to ride with her to search. So the whole family is like... Searching for these girls. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they take two possible paths that the girls could have taken had they decided that they were going to walk home, mm-hmm. but they don't spot them. At this point, the family's considering the scenario that the girls had somehow possibly gotten hurt on the trail from a fall and that maybe Libby's phone had been damaged. Mm -hmm. So at this point, they're like, this point, they're really freaking out. Like, we've got to find them. You know, it's, you know, it's going to get dark. You know, this is, they're freaking out. I'd be calling the police at this point. Mm -hmm. So when Becky and Cody finally arrive, uh, the entire family meets up and they make a plan. Kelsey and Cody take off together and they cross the Monon High Bridge and arrive at the southeast end. They spend 20 to 30 minutes yelling the girls' names from there, but they didn't get a response. From here, Kelsey calls Libby's phone. And she believes at this point that the call had gone through because she could hear it ring on her end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't go directly to voicemail like a phone would if it you know, was turned off. Right. Now, Kelsey's personal belief is that the woods were so quiet at this time that if the phone had been near where she was, she she would have heard it. Um, Now, it's always possible that Libby's phone was set to silent, of Mm -hmm. course. Mine always is. Mm, Mine is, too. Um, Now, as Becky's walking, Grandma Becky, she calls AT&T and asks if they can ping Libby's phone to locate it. Grandma. Right. But (laughs) AT&T says they can't do that for legal reasons, which I understand in a sense. But like these these are are minors. minors, Yeah. And this is like grandma's phone plan. If she wants to know where her, you know, grandchild's at, I think they should give her that. But I agree. On the same hand, like who's to say it it is a minor that has the phone? You know what I mean? They don't know. AT&T doesn't know that. That's 
I guess that's true, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I could, let's just say, like, I was a crazy wife, and mm-hmm. I wanted to know where my husband was, and I said, this is my child's phone. I need to know, you know? So they got to be careful what kind of information they give out. That's true. So... Um, It's now approximately 5.20 p.m., nearly two hours since the girls should have been picked up, and the family finally calls the police to report the girls missing. Becky has been unable to get a hold of Abby's mom, Anna, this entire time. Oh, my God. So we're talking these girls have been missing for two hours. And this mom has no idea. The mom does not know. So Becky decides she's going to drive to Anna's house, and she finds out that Anna's at work. Mike calls Becky again, and he informs her that the police requested for them both to drive to the police station. Anna finally calls Becky as Becky's driving to Anna's work. Becky fills her in, and they decide that they're going to meet at the police station, which me personally, I would be out there searching for my child. But Me too. Who am I to judge? I mean, who knows what she was thinking? You know what I mean? I mean, she probably had to be there, though, to make like a statement or something, because right. I mean, it's her kid, too. Mm-hmm. Police arrive on the scene quickly after the 520, uh, missing, 5.20 p.m. missing persons call. Around 6 p.m., a massive search for the teens begins. At this point, numerous citizens had posted on Facebook and, you know, social media asking mm-hmm. for clues about, you know, where the girls could possibly be. So right. the whole community pretty much had been informed. Yeah. Like, Libby and Abby are missing. Let's all do something. Dozens of residents show up at the trail volunteering to help hunt the girls down one of the good things about social media exactly news can spread fast i mean absolutely yeah <laughs> so, yeah we learned that a little while ago yeah. uh, <laughs> police were there firefighters and they even had a drone searching the area nice it was a big hunt yeah meanwhile kelsey the sister is at the police station and police are in- interrogating her asking her about what she remembers from dropping the girls off Kelsey shows the police the two Snapchat uh, Snapchats posted to Libby's story. At 12 a.m., police call off the search due to the darkness and a concern for the volunteer safety. And uh, they are to resume the search in the morning. Oh, God. Can you imagine, like... Just like, okay, well, my kid's out there somewhere, but I'm going to go to bed. Right. I, could, I would continue to search until I Absolutely. physically could not anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, Carroll County Sheriff Toby Leesonby says in a news conference that there's no reason to suspect foul play or to believe that the girls are in immediate danger. What? Yeah. The biggest concern, however, is exposure to the elements because it's going to get cold. Okay. All of that sounds plausible to me, though. Literally all of it. Absolutely. Um, So Mike drives Becky home to get some rest. On the way to the house, they see flashlights and people everywhere. Mike comes back to the trail to continue searching. Even though the search had been officially called off for the night, many people did not rest, and they continued searching into the daylight. What a good community. Exactly. That would be me. Like, if there was a child missing, oh, well, the police say it's over at 12. No, I'm still searching. I'm still looking. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't stop. Mm -mm. So uh, at uh, 1126 the next morning, Volunteer searchers are told to avoid the location where the girls had last been seen to preserve the scent of the scene for search dogs. Makes sense. So they finally bring the search dogs in. It is now 2 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday, February 14th, which is... Wait, why did they not bring the dogs in first? I have no idea. I have no idea. Like, that makes... 
no you would think so now there's been like hundreds of people all over you know yeah the area where they were last seen all their scents are there now wow okay shoddy police work (laughs) right uh it's now 2 p.m on tuesday february 14th valentine's day a press conference is held by law enforcement with indiana state police uh officer kim riley uh, Carroll County Sheriff Toby Leesonby and Delphi Police Chief Steve Mullins. They announced that two bodies have been found, but they do not confirm the identities of the body as Libby and Abby. They said search efforts will now be scaled back. They said the matter is being investigated as a crime scene and that they do now suspect foul play. Well, yeah. When asked by a reporter, why do you believe that there is foul play? Kim Riley responded, just the way the bodies were found. That's all I can say at this point in time. Oh, God. Yeah. Eek. Imagine being the parent and hearing that. Right. Uh, 3 p.m. on Wednesday, February 15th, 2017, Indiana State Police and the Carroll County Sheriff's Department hold a news conference confirming that the bodies found Tuesday are those of Libby and Abby. They say that the case is being investigated as a double homicide. Wow. So sad. Volunteers found the girls' bodies less than half a mile from where they were dropped off. The bodies were found on private property about 50 feet from the shore of Deer Creek. The owner of the property was cleared as a suspect. Later that day, police release a photo of a man that they suspect in the murders of the girls. The very brave Libby put her phone in her pocket with its video camera rolling as their attacker cornered them on the bridge. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. She did that on purpose? Yeah. Wow, what a smart girl. Yeah. Her phone was found in her pocket. She must have had just like a really bad feeling about the man. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's now a famous still shot of the video that is really easy to find on, uh, you know, by a Google search. I will post that along with a video of the man as well. The man on the bridge slash murderer, man, murderer, whatever, is a white male with his hands in his pockets while walking. He's wearing jeans, a navy blue jacket, and possibly a cap. The still shot is a very, very important piece of evidence, of course, as it's really the only image the public has of Libby and Abby's murderer. Right. Amazingly enough, Libby also caught audio of the man's voice which we will play now and uh just a warning this shit is eerie as fuck i'm not ready i hate it so much Uh, it like echoes in my brain oh god so here we go So he says, guys, down the hill. Did you hear that? I had no idea what he was saying. You'll have to uh, play it back after, you know, when we listen. But he says, guys, down the hill. 
So Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter, who is leading the case, recently told another podcast that that uh, down the hill was the voice of the devil coming through the killer. And it do- like it sounds like the devil, like that's the best way to describe it, you know, wow. um, another investigator has revealed that the girl's killer left several and I quote strange signatures at the kill site but how the girls died has never been released to the public to this day wow it must have been bad it must have been really bad that and i think they're trying to not release it because if they get the guy they haven't got the guy they haven't got the guy well thanks brooke yeah so but I'm about to talk about this. Oh my God. So the video and audio incredibly captured by Libby as the girls were ambushed and then murdered has been broadcast around the world and sparked thousands of tips, but has led to no arrests. It's insane to me. Wow. We don't know who this man is, which is just mind boggling. It's so unfortunate because there's literally a picture. There is a picture. There is a video. There is his voice. Yeah. And sure, you know, when you see the video, it is a bit distorted and it's grainy. But it's been speculated that this man was from the area. Mm-hmm. Someone knows something. I mean, he would have had to know the area. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about that a bit, too. But, you know, we have a video. We have a picture of him. We have a voice but we don't have him. But nobody knows who he is or somebody does. And they're terrified to say. Right. Uh, so local law enforcement and citizens are all pretty convinced that the killer is or was at one time a local because of the location that the girls' bodies were found in. Sheriff Leesonby said, and I quote, unless someone absolutely somehow studied that trail in great depth, they would not know specifically where certain things were. Wow. It's theorized that the murderer murderer passed the girls on the bridge, then turned back, and when the girls notice him walking back in their in their direction, Libby started recording. Mm-hmm. Such a smart girl. So smart. Now it's kind of like your case, like she wrote their name in the sand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if we don't make it, look. Here's some evidence. Yeah, it's amazing how people do that. Right. So uh, gaining control of them with a weapon of some sort, he forced them to turn the opposite direction and go down the hill. hill. Yeah. They walked through the woods and across the creek until they reached the spot where they were found and likely murdered. It's a wooded area and private enough that no passerbys could have witnessed the crime. So he knew the spot. He knew the area. Probably had like a car waiting for him because, I mean, I'm sure he was covered in blood i mean that's how most crime scenes are disgusting so i do have a a new person of interest in the case um on april 27th 2021 indiana state police detectives named james brian chadwell the second as a new person of interest in the delphi murders sounds like a murderer Chadwell was arrested on April 19th for the kidnapping and attempted murder of a 10-year-old girl in Lafayette, Indiana, about 20 miles from Delphi. Now, this is about to get quite graphic, you guys, so if you'd like to skip ahead, it does um, include sexual assault of a minor so and abuse, um, torture. So if you'd like to skip, go ahead and do that. But um, 
Chadwell allegedly lured a nine-year-old neighbor girl into his home with his dog. Like, you know, come play with the doggy type thing. Right. He then beat her, locked her in his basement, and sexually assaulted her before police looking for the girl knocked on his door. Oh, my God. Yeah. Chadwell stopped his assault and answered the door when the police knocked, according to prosecutors. Chadwell gave other or gave officers permission to search the house, and they found the girl naked and badly beaten. The girl described going into Chadwell's residence and petting his dogs. While inside the home, Chadwell attacked her, she said. The girl said Chadwell hit her in the head multiple times because she was fighting back. She said Chadwell was also choking her with his hands on her neck and also using his arm in a headlock to the point where she passed out. She said most of her clothes were off when she regained consciousness and Chadwell took her into the basement, according to an affidavit. He attempted to have sexual intercourse with her and then made her perform oral sex on him. Oh, God, let me throw up. At one point, Chadwell got dressed to go answer the door, and then the police found her. Good. Thank God Thank she was God. Saved. Like, thank what a God. miracle. Across her neck were lateral strangulation marks, and she had broken blood vessels with black eyes, bruising to her head, arms, and legs, and both human and canine bite marks. Oh, my God. According poor, to the court document. Poor baby. I uh, Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Um, like, yeah. So that's, um, you know, one of our newest people of interest. Um, it should also be noticed that noted that Chadwell is a felon with an extensive criminal history. Some have also noted that he has chilling tattoos of girls' faces on his arms. <clears throat> now, there is one, and I will also post a picture of this. It looks like it is Libby on his oh arm. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a f- <sighs> fucking freak. It's disgusting. So, I don't know. Uh, so, he faces these following charges. Attempted murder, attempted in- intentional killing of another, uh, child molestation where the defendant is, is defendant, defendant, yeah, is at least 21 years of age for the defendant. Is he the defendant? She's the defendant. <laughs> I guess he would. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then kidnapping where the victim is less than 14 years of age. Okay, got it. So, yeah, he would be the defendant. He's over 21. She's the victim. She's less than 14. Criminal confinement resulting in serious bodily injury and battery resulting in a serious bodily injury and strangulation. Ashley Chadwell, who's the brother of... uh, Brian or uh, James Brian Chadwell the second told inside edition he's a monster exactly he's an absolute evil person do I think he's capable of that kind of crime absolutely absolutely he's shown numerous times not only to his friends but his family as well that he is he has that kind of evil streak to him I mean clearly yeah his stepfather told the show that he thought Chadwell was capable of being the killer of Abby and Libby. This is his family saying this. Imagine. Mm -hmm. Imagine. So his stepfather says, is he capable? Probably. And you know, they should let him, should they let him back out on the street? Not ever. Throw away the key this time. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Wow, imagine your own family saying that about you. Yeah. You must be like a gigantic piece, piece of, of shit. shit. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's all I've got on that. We do not have a definitive answer whether or not he was involved in, you know, uh, Abby and Libby's murder. However, I will post pictures of him as well. And I will tell you, to me, he looks a lot like the man on the bridge. Mm-hmm. So I hope and pray for the families that it is him and, you know, yeah. that they can finally have some 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 peace if it is him i hope when he goes to prison on death row an inmate slices those tattoos off of him because that's the most disgusting file thing i've ever heard in my entire life yeah i'll show you Alyssa. like one of them it look it is like a picture of libby i'm telling you who's the tattoo artist that did that like do you not watch the the fucking street probably it's all trash tattoos disgusting disgusting dude oh my god if some person came up to me yo i murdered this girl where you put her on my or arm. even just showed me a picture of a little girl like i mean this girl's face had to have been all over the news oh for sure there's for sure. no way i mean at least it should have looked familiar yeah, yeah i mean i'm sure he went in there like these are like my daughters and blah, blah, yeah. blah, and just oh god oh it makes me so mad yeah it's disgusting so uh, the reward fund for Abby and Libby's case is now up to $325,000. Anyone with information on the Delphi case is asked to contact the Delphi Homicide Investigation tip line at 844-459-5786 or the Indiana State Police at 1-800-382-7537. The Carroll County Sheriff's Department at 765-564-2413 or to email Abby and Libby Tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F dot com. You know what kind of just messes with me? What's that? The fact that they have to put a reward out. For somebody to give information. Yeah, like there are literally people out there who have information but decide not to release the information unless there's a reward. Like, Isn't that sick? It's disgusting. Did you know this case? No, I don't remember that. I mean, it sounds familiar, but like the name. But I watched the uh, documentary. I guess I don't remember what it was called. It's been a while back, but uh, it was crazy. Like uh, in the documentary, there were these guys that went out to like where the bodies were found Mm -hmm. and did like a paranormal investigation. You know, like when they have like those things where apparently like the dead like speaks to them. Like like a spirit box. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they had one of those. Oh, my God, Alyssa. It was so eerie. Like, it sounded like girls talking back to him and, like, giving him information. Like, it gave me goosebumps. Oh, my God. That that case is very – those poor little girls. And just, you know, just imagine how terrifying. And it's like, this guy, like, wasn't the smartest. He left them with their cell phones. Yeah, I was actually thinking that the whole time. <laughs> but, like, how has he evaded, you know, being caught this whole time? Like, that's just crazy. There's video, there's picture, there's audio. Mm -hmm. Like, what? It just blows me away. I mean, does any of, um, what's the guy with ugly tattoos, does any of his family think he looks like the picture? I don't know. I don't know if they think he looks like it. I'm just saying, you know, from what I've seen, he looks like it. But his family is saying he's totally capable of it. Well, I know. But, like, if they thought that, you know, it was him in the picture, I feel 
as though that would be a really great lead. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I feel like, like I said, this came out like late April, but I haven't heard any updates since. So either it's being kept very hush-hush for a reason Mm -hmm. or it's not him. I I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out more soon enough. I hope it is him because... I do too. Number one, they need closure. He needs to be gone. Yeah. And also, it would just really suck if there were two people like him out there. Exactly. So... Within 20 miles of each other. Right. Exactly. And what a coincidence, I think. Yuck. I mean, it all... To me, it all adds up. Oh, it totally does. You know? Totally does. I mean... Girls are roughly the same age, mm-hmm. and the tattoo looks just like Libby. Yeah. And he obviously is capable of doing really, really horrible things to little girls. So, yeah, Ugh. disgusting. Yeah. So, sorry, uh, my ending was not a uh, happy ending, and I get to do my usual pissing you guys off with no closure here, but. You know, um, I just felt like it was a case that needed to be heard. Uh, mm-hmm. There has been a lot of podcasts on this case. Yeah. I was just kind of scrolling through. There's been a lot. So, um, you know, I know we're not like huge in the podcast world. We're not, you know, morbid or, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, and we're nowhere near close to Indiana, but who knows? Maybe somebody somehow, somewhere yeah, might could reach yeah. the right ears, you know? That'd be really cool if we could help with the case. Absolutely. That's the goal. Yeah. You know. That is the goal. And that's kind of why I like to do the unsolved cases, you know. And especially the ones that are local to us. I think those are important to get out. Mm -hmm. I think so, so too. Yeah. Well. Well, that was, um, I thought it was going to be the guy in the flannel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, the dad saw him twice. And that's just a sketchy situation in general. Right. But it wasn't. Okay, well, um, thank you guys for listening. And if you want to follow our social medias, you can do so on Facebook. Join our group at For God's Sake Don't Drink the Jones Juice. And you can follow our TikTok and Instagram at Don't Drink the Jones Juice. You can buy our merch at storefrontier.com slash Don't Drink the Jones Juice. And, um, the giveaway do you want to kind of go over that just one more time um i already threw away the paper where i had everything written down but i can just kind of briefly run over it again so we are doing a giveaway it will begin today um tuesday august 17th and it will run through tuesday august 31st and that will be when we'll announce the winner um but we're giving away a free t-shirt t-shirt uh of your choice from you know our designs uh all you have to do is go on to your facebook page post a link of your favorite episode of ours to your facebook page tag us and then go to the post on our facebook page uh where the rules are stated and whatnot and just type done and you will be entered so Y'all go get in on on it. Get in on it. And again, 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 if you aren't following our social medias, go do it. Because that's where all the good stuff happens. Yes. If you want to enter future giveaways, you most likely need to be a part of our Facebook group. And really, honestly, our Instagram, too, because... I'm trying to build that up. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been trying to follow some true crime pages on there. And I... Honestly, it's probably mostly our faults because I never get on that Instagram, like, ever. I've been doing better with the hashtags now when I post. Yeah, and yeah. I went on and followed probably about 10, like, true crime podcasts just trying to... 
Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. So we need to do some more of that and try to build that following. We really do. You guys, go follow our Instagram, please. This is a beg. <laughs> I am begging. We're begging. Go follow it. <laughs> Don't drink the Jones juice on Instagram. That's right. Okay, well, is that everything? That's everything. Alrighty, we're gonna sink. Dan, drink the Jones juice. <laughs>